Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we're looking at the parable of the talents here, Matthew 25 verse 14 is where we're going to be starting here, so once you get your Bible or have your Bible open, Matthew 25 verse 14, and we looked at the parable of the ten virgins a few weeks back, if you were with us here, we were in the parable of the, of the ten virgins uh, uh, a few weeks back in this, we continue now in the section in Matthew 25, we look at the parable of the talents, and these parables are closely related because they deal with the seeming delay of the Lord, of the coming of the Lord and the ushering in of the kingdom of God. This seeming delay that the parables oftentimes are speaking about. Now, we don't like delay very much, do we? We do not like to have to wait. We like to have everything available for us kind of at the snap of our fingers. We're kind of being conditioned for that, right? You can go onto Amazon, you can order an item, and the very next day, I mean, if you're at Amazon Prime, but the very next day, you can have that at your doorstep. The very next day. Do you realize the miracle that's unfolding before us? I don't know how that happens. I'm shocked. It's like Jeff Bezos has like elves working in his warehouse. It's like he's taking over Santa's workshop or something. I just don't understand how that is a thing, but this is what we're being conditioned to, that when you need something, you want something, you can have it. We have a hard time with patience and waiting, but yet this is what this parable is, and, and this chapter, Matthew 25, is ultimately kind of revealing for us here. The parable of the ten virgins detailed our need to be ready for the Lord's return, but our parable today details what being ready looks like. So we're going to look at a, a few different things here. We're going to look at our responsibility from the Lord, our reliability for the Lord, and our accountability before the Lord here in verses 14 to 30 in this parable of the talents. It says in verse 14, as we look at our responsibility to the Lord, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now remember, Jesus is speaking these parables to reveal truth, but to reveal truth in an interesting way, to reveal truth kind of openly to those that had a ears and a heart ready to receive the things that Jesus was saying, that they wanted to accept it. But then also this truth would come kind of veiled to those that were sort of blocked off and, and did not want to receive the things from Jesus. That allowed them to hear a message, but not be held accountable to the truth they'd be hearing because they missed it. The parables were, in a sense, kind of wrapping and veiling this truth. It was kind of like hidden truth in plain sight. Some would get it, some wouldn't get it. But it would be to not, it would keep them away from greater judgment then when they rejected what they heard. Now, in this parable, Jesus is the man that's traveling to a far country. Remember, he's been letting his disciples know that he's not going to be with them forever, right? And this is a hard thing for the disciples to kind of really grasp because they're thinking, no, Jesus, we need you. They're freaking out anytime that Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm going to go to my father. And they're thinking, no, you can't leave us. We're a mess as it is with you even here with us. Think about when you go, how much more of a mess we're going to be. They're thinking, we can't do it. They're freaking out, right? And especially they're, they're putting all this together because the disciples have received Jesus as their Messiah. They're like, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know who you are. But you see, they relayed the Messiah to be the one 
the promised one of God that was gonna come and establish the kingdom of God, that was gonna deliver Israel away from the oppression and tyranny that they were under from Rome, and they were going, and this Messiah was gonna come and, and, and basically lead them into being that sovereign nation again, bring them their deliverance and independence. So they saw the Messiah, so now they're thinking, you're the Messiah, good days are right upon us now, this is gonna be great. Suddenly Jesus says, I'm going away, and they're thinking, wait, this is bad timing. You can't do that. You can't leave us. We're ready now to bring in the kingdom, the glory days once again. How can you leave us at this time? So they're seeing all this. They're thinking, this doesn't seem to add up. And you see, the big point with these parables is that the kingdom of God would be unfolding in a very different way than many had assumed. First of all, it would be a considerable while before the physical and literal kingdom of God would be established here on this earth. Secondly, things won't be necessarily getting better and better, and then the kingdom just kind of is brought in. Things aren't gonna get better and better to where all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we made it, we're in the kingdom, this is great, this is what we were kind of expecting. It's not gonna get better and better. Thirdly, Jesus will be coming back at a second time to usher in the kingdom, and people will need to be patient and persevere until that time. That's what these parables oftentimes are relating for us. Now, like I said, the parable that started this chapter taught us how we need to be watching and waiting, those 10 virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish, but how they need to be watching and waiting. But in that mode of watching and waiting, we can easily get into the attitude of doing just that, right? Sitting back and just going, well, I'm just gonna do nothing until the Lord comes. I'm just gonna keep watching and waiting. He's gonna come soon and I'm gonna do nothing until he comes. That's kind of what the attitude we can have oftentimes. We live, listen, we live in very interesting times. Would you not say? And that is changing every day now for us. We're seeing more and more things coming into alignment biblically and prophetically where we feel like we could be meeting Jesus at any moment. And I'm excited about that. Listen, you would read, you know, in Revelation about the mark of the beast that's gonna come and how nobody can buy and sell without that mark. And you think, oh man, that's gonna be weird. That's gonna be interesting, but I'm not gonna be around for when that happens because we're gonna be raptured up before the tribulation comes. We're not gonna see that. Guess what we're seeing right now? We're seeing the potential of people not being able to buy and sell going into different stores and grocery stores unless you have a vaccination card. Who would have thought that we'd be seeing those things coming into play? I'm shocked, but what it does is it causes me to go, Jesus, you're coming soon. And I want to be watching and ready, but here's the thing that this parable is laying out for us. Don't just sit back and kind of hide out until he comes. And listen, I've been tempted on more than one occasion to do just that. You know how much I would love just to move away to a deserted island and just live out the rest of my days on a beach? Anybody with me? Amen? Oh my goodness, that sounds very appealing right about now. We think we just need to escape this craziness that's going on and we just want to get away because Jesus is coming soon. And that sounds very tempting and appealing to me, but that is not what the Lord has for us. All of you can say, oh man. Or amen, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like, <clears throat> I was going the other way. You all were more spiritual than I was. I was like, oh man, I don't know. if." But you see, we've, seen that sort of reaction by some already 
you know, in the past many years where they're like, you know what, it's getting evil, it's getting wicked out there, I'm going to move away to the mountains, I'm going to get off the grid, I'm going to grow my own garden, I'm going to have a composting outhouse, I'm not going to need any services, I'm going to be self-sufficient, and I'm just going to wait it out. That's how some people are kind of acting, reacting, and, and wanting to do. And it's tempting, like I say, but is that what we're called to do? Not at all. See, when we see in this parable, what we see in this parable is the need to not just be watching, but working. To not just be prepared, but also productive, faithful, and fruitful. This parable examines what should characterize those who eagerly are waiting for the coming of Jesus. So in the story, the man who's Jesus, he's leaving his servants now with special responsibility. That's the first thing we're looking at, our responsibility to the Lord. And this man, Jesus, is leaving his servants with special responsibility. He gives them talents. Now, when we see that word, what do you typically think of? I know you're not usually thinking of me, and I'm okay with that. I can handle that. But when we think of talent, we think of abilities, don't we, right? Or we say, Lord, why didn't you give me more talent? Why can't I play the piano or the guitar like these guys up here? Why didn't you give me any talent? But listen, that's not the way exactly that that word talent is being used and described here in our parable, Matthew 25. The word that Jesus uses is a word that speaks of a measurement, more so a moment, or sorry, a monetary measurement. In fact, as we talk about this word that's used, money here, it's speaking of silver. And in fact, a talent of silver was worth 6,000 denarii. And you're listening to that going, well, what? 6,000 denarii is twice as much as 3,000 denarii. So just think about that. That's like, <laughs> you're like, man, that's significant. That's huge, isn't it? Listen, uh, <laughs> 6,000 denarii was worth 20 years, 20 years salary. In, in John chapter 12, when Mary anoints Jesus' feet, remember they're complaining, this money could have been sold for 300 denarii, which was a year's wage, okay? So 6,000 denarii, a talent was worth 20 years salary. Listen, this was no insignificant amount that Jesus was giving to his servants. To one he gives five, to one he gives two. To one servant, he gives one talent to where that servant's not sitting back going, oh man, why did I only get one talent? It's like, whoa, 20 years. Could you imagine being given upfront 20 year salary? You, would be, you wouldn't care what anybody else got. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what to do with all of that. This is a significant amount. And I think about our lives and the, the value that we have in Christ. And more so because of what he's done for us. He's made us new. He's forgiven us. He's clothed us in his righteousness. He's made us children of God. Like Pastor Randy taught last week in the parable uh, of the pearl at great price. We're that pearl that was seen with great value, not because of who we are, but because of who we would be in Christ. And you see, we're not just to hold on to this value for ourselves. We're to be sharing that with others. Jesus has given each and every one of us great responsibilities with what he's done in us and what he does through us. And he's given each of us a measure of value to which we may profit or make a profit not for ourselves but to be a blessing to others john riley rightly says this anything whereby we may glorify god is a talent our gifts our influence our money our knowledge our health our strength our time our senses our reason our intellect our memory our affections 
our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all are talents. Think about this. Jesus has entrusted something to each and every one of you. Jesus has done that for all of us. It may be very different from what someone else has been given, but we're not worried about that. We're not looking at others and saying, well, why did they get that? Or why did... Look at the value that Jesus has given you and what he's entrusted to you. Each, he's given each according, it says, to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. Consider how Jesus has equipped you and gifted you and use that to honor him. Look at what these individuals do here. As we look at our, our reliability now for the Lord, it says in verse 16, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Wow, the first received five talents and guess what? He gained five more with it by trading. We don't know how that took place exactly what he did, but he put it to work and he gained five more. Likewise, the, the servant with two, with two talents Again, put that to work and two more were gained also. He profited. The third servant, however, hid what he was given and did not put it to use. Now you might think, well, at least he didn't lose it. At least he wanted to kind of, at least have something to show before the Lord. But the problem is he did nothing positive with what Jesus had entrusted him with. You see, Jesus so wonderfully and miraculously has saved each and every one of us, plucked us out of darkness and death and he's delivered us and he set us free. But he set us free now so that we might live our lives for him. The, the great thing is that Jesus doesn't just save us, but now he desires to use us, to partner with him, to serve him and to experience the blessing and the joy of partnering with him in ministry and, and being used of him. That's amazing because if I were God, I'd be like, man, those guys are gonna mess things up. I don't wanna use them. I just wanna, I wanna save them and just kind of keep them. I would be like, let's hide those people in the ground so they don't mess things up. And then at that day, we'll bring them out again. But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, man, I want you to participate in service and ministry and have the joy of seeing me working in and through you. That's an amazing thing. That's what I think is even greater than just even saving us is that God continues to, to use us and work in us and through us. And there should be some positive fruit coming forth as a result of our salvation. Now remember, the servant given one talent couldn't just sit back and think, well, listen, I only got one talent. What good is this gonna do? Sometimes we think that way, right? We think, what, what good is this gonna do? I don't have any influence or I don't really, I don't know really what kind of skills I've got. And we might begin to kind of excuse ourselves thinking, well, I don't really know. Or I'm just kind of too shy and I don't really want to step out there and do things. But you know, we've been given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who gifts us and equips us and empowers us to carry out work for the Lord. The Lord's not looking at you going, oh man, you've got ability, you've got skill, man. I can't wait to, he's looking at you going, you've got nothing in and of yourselves, but I'm gonna do the work in you and through you by the Spirit. And he gifts us and, and, and enables us and empowers us to carry out this work for the Lord. No matter what you've got, nobody can look at what they have and what they've been entrusted with and say, oh, it's only this little bit. This servant with one talent, he had to look at it and go, this is huge. 
20 years salary. This is huge, and, and there's a lot that can be done with this. No matter what you have, Jesus wants that to be put to use and to see fruit come of it. One day, we're gonna have to give an account for what we've done with what the Lord has given us. So we see our responsibility to the Lord, our reliability for the Lord, but look now at our accountability before the Lord. Here in verse 19, it says this. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, this is cool. Do you see this? These two servants were rewarded equally. Even though the one servant given five talents comes back and says, look, Lord, I've got five talents. Lord doesn't say, oh man, that deserves a huge reward. He says, no, well done. You've been faithful. You've been faithful what you've been given. And Lord says over a few things. And he says the exact same thing to the servant that comes with two talents. They're, they're rewarded equally. You see, the Lord's rewards, the Lord rewards you based on faithfulness to what he's assigned to you, not on how much you do. I think we have to really understand that and grasp that. In God's economy, success is not measured by having the, the greatest, the biggest, or you know, the biggest church or the biggest bank account or winning the most people to the Lord. Success isn't measured by those things. Success is measured by how faithful you were with what God entrusted you. And he's entrusted people in different ways and with different things, as is evident in this parable. To one, five talents. To one, two talents. It would be crazy for the one with two talents to go, no, I want the five talents. And it'd be crazy for the one with five talents to go, oh man, I wish I just had the two talents. The Lord gives to each according to their ability. And we accept that and we go, Lord, you're just simply asking me to be faithful with what you've given me. That's the measure of success. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found, what? Faithful. That's what the Lord's looking for. He's not looking to you, the one with five talents, go, oh man, five talents, that's amazing. And he looks at the one with two, oh, two talents, man. Ah, oh, well, I mean, good try. He's not saying, well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. They're both rewarded the same, equally. Now, let me just say, giving an account before the Lord is not to be a terrifying thing. And as we read through the rest of this parable in a minute, you're gonna look and go, it, it sounds pretty terrifying to me. We're gonna make sense of that, but understand something here. Giving an account before the Lord as believers is to be a blessed thing because when we stand before the Lord, it's for the purpose of evaluating your work for the purpose of rewarding you. The Lord loves to bless his people and the Lord takes joy in rewarding you. And he says, enter now into the joy of the Lord here. See, we sometimes think of that, that day of judgment as being a very scary day, right? 
Like as believers, we can think, man, I don't know when I stand before the Lord, if I'm gonna make it in or not. There might've been some things I've done that, man, I really screwed up badly, messed up, and I may not make it in. And as believers, I hear people speaking with that kind of tone, like I'm kind of scared to stand before the Lord. Now, yes, we need to have a right reverence and fear of the Lord, no doubt about it. But understand that the Bible speaks of two judgments that are to come. First of all, the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, this is the judgment for unbelievers. But there's also a judgment now for believers. It's a judgment seat of Christ or known as the Bema seat that's found in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here, this Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, is specified just for believers and it's a place where your works are evaluated for the purpose of rewards. Not to see where they make it in because your sin has already been judged at the cross of Calvary. As believers, you're in Christ. He's already taken care of judgment for you. You're in as believers. We don't stand at the judgment seat of Christ to see whether we've done enough. We stand because it's already been done and now the Lord evaluates and rewards your work. Just as we see kind of unfolding here, I love what C.T. Stud says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But now we come upon the last sermon. And we see how he fares. And this is where you read this. And you might go, ah, see right there. That seems to contradict what you just said. We're going to make sense of that, remember. All right. Here's what we read there. Moving into verse um, 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a real downer way to end the story, isn't it? It sounds very scary. And actually, I'm out of time right now, so we'll have to decide you sit on that. Think about that through this week, and then we'll... No, I won't do that. But here we see that the last servant now, he is cast into outer darkness. And that's been a very worrisome situation for many Christians, thinking that if they aren't doing enough or living good enough, that they'll be denied entrance into heaven and will be cast into hell like this wicked and lazy servant. See, some people think, I've got I've to earn my way into heaven. I've got I've to do enough. I've got to prove myself. So that God won't be able to turn me away. I'll be able to say, look God, what I've done. You can't deny me now. And people look at the servant and wonder if, if they've produced enough to be accepted. But let me just set this straight for you. This last servant is not a servant of God. This is not speaking of the, the judgment seat of Christ or the beam of seat. This is not the context that we're in here. This context here Jesus's audience is the Jewish people. He's speaking to his disciples. The church hasn't even been created yet. 
Jesus is speaking to the Jews and he's speaking about that time in between his first advent and his second advent before the kingdom of God comes in. He's looking at the tribulation period right now when he comes back again and believing and unbelieving Jews are gonna stand before him. This is the audience. This is the context that we're looking at here. Just like the, the next parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25 <clears throat> goes on to talk about all those that make it through the tribulation are gonna stand before the Lord and they're, and they're gonna be judged. And some will be brought into the millennium and others will be sent away. And they're gonna await then the great white throne judgment that'll come after the millennium. So that's when Jesus says, enter into the joy of the Lord. They're gonna enter into the millennium, not into heaven. The church is not even gonna be around during this time. The church has been raptured up to heaven, awaiting for that seven year tribulation. And when we come back with Jesus, as Revelation 19 talks about, we're gonna get into those things into the fall here and talk more about that. But that's the context here, okay? It's not the church, it's the Jewish people. And he's, and he's speaking of those that are believing and unbelieving and this last servant that did nothing who Jesus says is wicked and lazy is, is being shown to be not a true believer. He had a wrong concept of God right from the get-go. Oh, I knew you to be a very you know, hard master reaping where you do not sow. He had a wrong concept of God and he was unfaithful with what he was given. He did nothing with it. See, all scriptures for us, but not all scriptures about us. But we certainly can glean and, and learn many things and relevant applications. So we've tied this into us today, no doubt about it. I've applied this to the church to say, listen, here's a lesson for us. <clears throat> the Lord's coming soon. But the Lord has not said, guys, just wait it out. Just try to stay out of the way. I believe what the Lord would have us do is to occupy until he comes and to serve our king well and to bless those around us, to be spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, to be active in work for the Lord, <clears throat> not working for our salvation. That's already taken care of. It's working for our king to say, Lord, you've entrusted me with much. You've given me great value in the salvation you've given me and I wanna serve you. I wanna be used of you. I don't wanna just sit back and rest. I wanna be watching, but I wanna be working. I wanna be prepared, but I wanna be productive. I wanna be faithful and fruitful for you, Lord. So may we as a church say, man, these are crazy times that we're in. No doubt about it. I would never have thought that we'd be seeing the things that we're seeing here. But nevertheless, it causes me to go, man, these are exciting times because it shows that Jesus is coming soon and there is much work to be done. May we continue on about our Father's business until we are with him face to face. That's what we see and learn here from this parable of the talents. Amen. Worship team, would you come up? And we're gonna close with half a song, okay? <laughs> Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for your word. For the lesson that we learn here, the parable of the talents. And God, I admit, I'm, I'm convicted as I go through this myself. Because it's so easy to just kind of fade in the background and go, Lord, you're coming soon. Days are wicked. We just need to wait it out, bide our time. But Lord, that's not what you have for us. Forgive us when we've taken that approach. 
But Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts individually and corporately as a church here today to say, Lord, there's much work to be done. There's lives that need to be saved. There's people that need to be ministered to, cared for. And I pray, Lord, that we would serve you well and be good stewards with the resources, the talents, the giftings that you've given us, Lord. And we'd honor you through it all, Lord. Use us, equip us, bless this work now, we pray in your name. Amen. Let me close with this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's stand together.